This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Greetings and good evening. This is Reverend Gary Lubin serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families, which can be found on page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Today's reading from the Daily Office is John chapter 5, verses 19 through 29. Now let us begin our worship together. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. A reading from the Gospel according to John. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be astonished. Indeed, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whomever he wishes. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The Gospel of our Lord. Greetings to you from Gary in Cincinnati. Good evening. Immediately preceding today's reading, we learn of Jesus healing a man who had been ill for a very long time, like 38 years. The scene takes place at the Pool of Bethesda, located just outside of what was then known as the Sheep's Gate into Jerusalem. When some Church of the Redeemer Holy Land pilgrims visited this place in 1999, we used our inspired imaginations to see through all the ruins and residual water in order to picture this healing story. 
Legend had it that an angel of God would occasionally agitate the water of the pool, and the first invalid into the water after that would be healed. Now, seeing the man there lying on his mat, helpless, and knowing he had been there a long time, Jesus asks him, Do you want to be made well? Instead of immediately saying, Heck yeah! He laments that he has no one to put him in the pool of the water when the water is stirred up and someone else always steps ahead of him as he makes his way. So, wow, my heart goes out to this guy. According to the legend, then, there were minimum qualifications to be healed, hurdles to be healed, as it were. One had to be fit enough not only to get into the pool of water, but be first to do so. Only the most fit were able. A bit of a contradiction, it would seem. Jesus demonstrates his authority, telling the man, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once, Jesus made him well. No prerequisites. No prior conditions at all. The now healed man, freed from his illness, took up his mat and began to walk. It so happens that Jesus further demonstrated his authority by healing the lame man on the Sabbath. Uh-oh, did Jesus do that on purpose? I'll bet he did. Enough said that Jesus has no requirements for to heal, nor are there requirements for one to be healed. That is what love is all about. Now, when the so-called Jewish authorities find out, they immediately begin persecuting Jesus for violating their interpretation of God's rules. That is to say, healing like this on the Sabbath. I wonder if they admonished that legendary angel, too. They also object because Jesus claims God is his father from whom he claims all the authority that he needs to do all that he does like healing and teaching and preaching in the name of and person of love. Which brings us to today's reading, which is about authority. Just who is in charge? Who do we listen to? Who do we follow as our authority? Well, Jesus speaks with his own authority. Just imagine hearing it in his voice, you know. Jesus points out to them by resting on Sabbath at creation, God did not suddenly cease caring for the world on that day or any other day for that matter and any other day subsequent to that time for that matter. Jesus is only imitating the example set by God the Creator by giving life particularly and especially on the Sabbath. Now, what better way and time to honor God and to worship God? Yes, and it is his judgment to make. It is Jesus' call. Jesus proclaims that whoever listens to his voice and sincerely believes in the full assurance of faith will have life. God being the source of that life, 
abundant and everlasting, full assurance of belief. You might say blessed assurance. Blessed Assurance by Fanny Crosby is one of my favorite gospel hymns. Assurance grows from surrender to God's authority, which the religious authorities were not about to do. So how should we go about surrendering? And surrender to who and what exactly? You know, making those kinds of decisions, I mean, it helps to be in community, doesn't it? So in the world then and in the world of today, there are all kinds of usurpers and pretenders. What is the true test of authentic authority? Well, God's authority was demonstrated by Jesus' life and work. Scattered throughout the Gospels are passages portraying typical days in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus teaches, Jesus casts out demons, and like today, heals and proclaims the reign of God. He forgives sins, preaches good news, and rekindles hope. Justice is done. Jesus teaches some more. There are many themes of Jesus' life and work, but his authority is one common thread, weaving it all together. In the synagogue, the people, as well as the religious establishment, quote, were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You can find that in Mark 1.22. Jesus also demonstrated his authority to forgive sins by healing. Quote, when the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe and they glorified God who had given such authority to human beings. You can find that in Matthew 9, 8. Jesus gave to the disciples his authority to heal, which can be found in Matthew 10, 1. Jesus laid claim to all authority in heaven and on earth as he directed the disciples in the Great Commission. Also in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Now the word authority derives from the Latin word octoritas, which can mean power. One aspect of Jesus' authority is power. Contrary to a worldly view, Jesus did not wield power by coercing people. Instead, Jesus lived a model life of example and exhibited the power of persuasion. Jesus spoke with words of power, you might say, truth, the truth. The truth sets us free. And we are free to choose. Jesus' whole life was based on truth. We are free to believe the truth or not. The people noted Jesus' use of power and compared it with that of the scribes who derive power from an oppressive religious system run by coercion. And let's not pick on the scribes. After all, we have oppressive religious systems today oppressive religious systems that run by coercion and intimidation. Now, Jesus' good news of freedom derived from power inside and out of himself. And the people intuitively grasped this. Do you remember when she said, quote, 
If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. That's from Mark 5, 28. Now, in direct contrast, human worldly power comes from outside of us. We have no real authority unto ourselves. Authority is given to us by others. And power in and of itself is neutral. It's neither good nor bad, you know. If we exercise power to oppress and coerce people to do evil, then that power is evil. If we exercise our power to liberate and persuade people for the good, then we exercise that power well. A second aspect of Jesus' authority is wisdom. As an itinerant preacher, paradoxically, Jesus taught us how to bring about peace and the reign of God that is to say, through reconciling, healing, liberating, and service. Jesus invites us to see things in a radically new way, freeing us, freeing us to choose wisely obedience and responsible action and to be in a healthy relationship with God and creation. If we are sincere, devoted to this, we are freed from anxiety to live a life of peace and trust and of blessed assurance in a community, a beloved community. A third aspect of Jesus' authority is compassion. Jesus' life and work was based on compassionate love, sacrificial love. The people who experienced Jesus were really surprised because he did not use his power to make their lives more difficult which is something they were used to. In fact, Jesus used his power to liberate from oppression and to heal and forgive sins. In Matthew 9:36, we read, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. You know, life was extremely difficult for the common person. Maybe it's the same thing today. Jesus felt the people's pain and suffered with them. He suffered with them. Jesus epitomized compassion, making people's lives better. Jesus' politics of compassion, yes, indeed, Jesus was political, was inclusive, encompassing all, especially the outcasts of society. And uh, you know, gets the laundry list of lepers, the maimed, untouchables, the impure, tax collectors, prostitutes, shepherds, the poor who cannot afford unbearable Roman taxes or temple taxes, eunuchs, slaves, the landless, aliens, Gentiles and women, in short, the marginalized, the other. You know, and today that would include our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters. Jesus commands us to, quote, be compassionate as God is compassionate. That's from Luke 1.6. So, let's ask ourselves, how are we as a society doing on that score? You know, it's all about love, and even sometimes tough love, but it's about love. Bottom line, love. And we even suffer for it. <laughs> you can take it on good authority. You can bet your life on God's authority. We love, therefore we are. Grace, mercy, and justice. Amen.
And now a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It is not ourselves that we proclaim, we proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, out of darkness let light shine, has caused his light to shine within us, to give the light of revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now the collect for the third Sunday after Epiphany. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Let us now take some time pausing our worship together, if we need to do that, to offer up our prayers of intercession, thanksgiving, and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, for the social and natural orders, for family and personal life, and in particular for those who are suffering and those who have died. And now let us say together the collect for the human family. It can be found on page 815 of the prayer book. O oh God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations, all peoples of the earth, the one human family, may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us say together the collect for the social order and social justice, which can be found on page 823. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed we may live in justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now the concluding collect. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand, and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed and in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now, in this time of God's revelation to all people, 
go into the world in peace, hope, and joy to seek and serve God, being and doing God's grace, mercy, and justice, and do everything in love.